Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Today's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, and I came across the Goonies, then and now. And I'm like, man, I've got to look at this article. I love the Goonies. So I went in and I started looking at pictures of the different actors of what they looked like when they filmed the Goonies and now. It was pretty great. And then afterwards, I went to YouTube and I was scrolling through YouTube and I found some barber videos, perhaps because of envy. And I started looking at people getting new haircuts and I loved that transition from when they walk in all scruffy to to when they walk out all, all clean and crisp. And I realized that as a society, we like that. We like before and after photos when it's weight, people losing weight, or whether it's people who are having hair transplants or even makeup tutorials. We love seeing the A to B, particularly when the B is really, really good. And as I was reading through Ephesians chapter 2, I realized that Paul is doing the same for us. He's laying down a before and after Jesus for us. And it's a really, really interesting contrast. So let's jump into it and see what Paul says a Christian looks like after they meet Jesus and what they look like before. He starts off by saying, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul's not pulling any punches here. He could have used any terminology. He could have said lost, but if he'd said lost, maybe we could say, you know what, I can find my own way home. He could have said deceived, but when you're deceived, you can find the truth. He could have said broken, but when you're broken over time, healing comes and sick, healing would come. He uses the term dead because there's no coming back from that. You can't just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm dead. What life changes do I have to make to become undead? When you're dead, you're dead. There's a lot of finality to it. But not only that, Paul then talks about why we are dead. He says, because of your disobedience and your many sins. You know, sin literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. And you know what? I love what Paul says in Romans. He says uh, in 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, as an archery term, I heard it described like this. Imagine I would walk up to an archery range and I would have 10 arrows and I shoot them all at the target and I'm not very good at archery, so they all go all over the place, but one of them hits the board. It doesn't hit the target, but it hits the board. I would walk away going, you know, it's a pretty good day, but by the rules of archery, I've sinned. I've missed the mark. 
Okay, next stands up is Robin Hood, mainly because he's the only other person I know who does archery. And he shoots at the target and nine, his first nine arrows hit the target. Bullseye, 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 bullseye. And then his 10th arrow slightly misses the target into the next ring. Did you know that both he and I are equally sinners according to the rules? And that's like us, is that we've all fallen short of God's glory. No one is better than anybody else. We can't judge people because they sin differently to us. Romans 6.23 tells us what happens when we sin. The wages of sin is death. And this is how Paul starts off his contrast. He's before and after of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus. Is before we weren't sick. We weren't just broken. We weren't lost. We were dead. But that's not it. Paul keeps going. He says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And I know what you might be thinking is before I was a Christian, I did not obey the devil. And there's some of you watching who are watching right now and you aren't a Christian. You haven't put your faith in Jesus and you're thinking, I don't follow the devil. But it's interesting here. It says he's the spirit at work. So what's the devil's work? How did we obey the devil If Paul's saying this, John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil's work. Did we partake in that? Did we do that? Is Paul wrong here? He goes on to explain what he means. In Ephesians 2.3, he says, All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Did our passionate desires and and inclinations of our sinful nature really mean that we're joining the devil in his work to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, Galatians says it does. In 5, 19 to 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when we live that kind of lifestyle, we steal joy and hope and peace, not just from ourselves, but from others. We kill trust and love and selflessness and patience and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness. And we destroy marriages, relationships, families, and self-confidence. You see, before we met Jesus, by living that kind of lifestyle, we joined the devil in his task of stealing, killing, and destroying. So already Paul has said, before we met Jesus, this picture he's painting of us before we met Jesus is we are dead We are sinners. We are obeying the devil and joining him in his work of stealing, killing, and destroying. But he goes on. It's not done yet. He says, By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. God's anger, subject to his anger. We were enemies of God. Some translations say that we are children of wrath. Children of wrath. That is not the title that we want, but it's not the only title that we're given in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians, we're told that we're blind. In Romans, we're slaves to sin. 
In John, we're lovers of darkness. In Mark, we're sick. In Luke, we're lost. In Colossians, we're under the power of darkness. In Ephesians 2, we see we are children of wrath. And through the rest of Ephesians, we see that we are strangers, aliens, and foreigners. We are dead. And we are dead and we deserve justice. We deserve an eternity separated from God because we are dead. We are obeying the devil. We're joining him in his work of stealing, killing, and destroying. We are children of wrath. We have turned our backs on God. And the justice we deserve is an eternity separated from him. We get what we deserve. You know, it might be a little bit hard to look at this and to to realize those things about our past self. But Pastor John Garacci has this great quote. He says, the past reminds you of the power of the gospel. And that's exactly what we see here, because Paul is done describing what it means for us before we lived for Jesus. And now he starts to talk about the after. And he starts Ephesians 2.4 by saying, but God, who is rich in mercy, but God, just sit on those two words for a moment. I would encourage you as you're watching this stream, just to close your eyes. It doesn't matter if someone's sitting next to you, just close your eyes. Think of the life that you had before. Maybe it, it lines up with what Paul was saying in some of those practical examples, but we were dead. We were lost. We were obeying the devil through our actions. We were children of wrath. We were enemies of God. We deserved an eternity separated from him. And then these two beautiful, hope-filled words, but God, who's rich in mercy. Luke Williams said, but it is one, but is one of the most important words in the Bible. It always means something good is coming. And what's coming is mercy. If justice is getting what we deserve, mercy is not getting what we deserve. In Ephesians 2, 5 to 6, it says, Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with us, with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Not only were we dead, not only were we obeying the devil, not only were we enemies of God, but God came in and not just saved us, but he gave us an amazing reward. We are seated in the heavenly realms. Our position is that of of death and now to life. We are sitting, sitting with Jesus in the heavenly realms and we are sharing in the resurrection of Christ. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But this reward, this is grace. This is getting what we don't deserve. Beautiful. I love at the start of this verse, it says, even though we were dead. It reminds me of my favorite Bible verse, which is Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his great love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's the key word there? Still. While we were still sinners, even though we were dead, he made a way. God didn't wait for us to to become better. He didn't wait for us to deal with most of our sin and meet us halfway. 
He didn't require us to to read a certain amount of scripture or to pray a certain amount or to go to church a certain amount of times a week. He met us where we were in the miry clay, in the filth, in our grave, in our death. And he made a way. God demonstrates his great love to us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. Paul makes it very, very clear And I have to believe that Paul knew that this could become a potential complication for the church going forward. So he made it very clear why this has happened. He says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. This is a free gift. You did nothing to earn this. This is unmerited favor. This is getting what we don't deserve. You know, and so often we live our lives the opposite way. Is that we, 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 we have covered in chains and we know that there's addiction and there's things in our lives we need to deal with. And if we, if we just shake hard enough, if, we, just, um, if we, we struggle enough, we might be able to loosen the chains that hold us. If we would read our Bible enough, then, then we would understand more. And maybe that would see us more approved by God. If we would pray more, then then people would see how Christian we are. But you know what? This is the opposite of the gospel. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should read our word. But that's not what's going to save you. That doesn't see you in right standing with God. What sees you in right standing with God is Jesus hanging on the cross, standing in your place. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. Coming to the cross of Jesus is free. It will not cost you anything. And that's what Paul makes so clear here. It is a free gift. Can you imagine giving me a present and and me going, this is a wonderful gift. I I don't know how I'm ever going to afford it. It's a gift. You don't have to afford it. That's grace. That's salvation. That's mercy. It's a free gift from God. You can't earn it. And I love how Paul finishes off in in verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. I'm a graphic designer and I I do graphic design as much as I can. I really enjoy it. And when I do something that I'm really proud of, that I would consider a masterpiece, I love to show people, look at this great design, partly because I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm kind of fishing. But other than that, it's because I want people to see the work that I, I worked so hard on because I'm really proud of it. This is it. This is what God's saying about us. We are his masterpiece. My wife is a, an arts um, student, fine arts. And she said, do you know what the term masterpiece actually comes from? Why it's actually called a masterpiece? And I said, no. And she said, well, uh, back in the day, centuries ago, masters would be the people who were the best at their trade. They were great at arts and sculpting or whatever they were doing. And they would have apprentices who would learn under them. And an apprentice, when they wanted to become a master, they had to submit a final artwork to the master. And the master would decide whether it was a masterpiece or it wasn't. If it was a masterpiece, that apprentice was now a master and could take on his own apprentices. But the criteria for his work becoming a masterpiece is he had to show techniques and the influence of his master. You see, his artwork had to show the image of his master. We are God's masterpiece. Not because we've earned it, not because we've done anything that makes God go, oh, I'm actually really proud of you now. We are God's masterpiece because we carry his image. We are created in his image. 
And when he sees us, he sees Jesus because we share in Jesus' resurrection and what he has done in giving us that free gift. And he finishes off by saying, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. How beautiful that God planned this for us long ago. Before time even began, God looked through and said, you know what, I'm going to save my children. I'm going to save you and me. But not only that, he planned good works for us. God entrusts his mission to us. This great mission to have people know him, to make disciples. That's crazy. Do you know us? We make mistakes. We fail. But God trusts us with his mission. And not because of anything we've done, but because he planned it a long time ago. He made us for this mission. Scripture tells us that he formed us together in our mother's womb. It's like Lord of the Rings, when Frodo is told that this mission to take the ring to Mordor is his mission, and it was made for him. And if he can't achieve it, if he can't succeed, no one can. There is a mission on your life. There is a purpose that God has given you that is just for you. Because he made it for you. And not just recently, but long ago, he planned that for you. And I know this message can be a little bit stark and contrasting and even a little bit frightening for some people watching. Because you look at who we're meant to be after meeting Jesus. And we look back and we go, you know what? There's some things of my before picture that I still live in. I'm still jealous. I still have outbursts of anger. I hold unresentment, uh, unforgiveness in my heart and I resent people and I don't want to talk to them because they've hurt me. And we hold those things and we carry them and we're stealing and killing and destroying. And this message can be hard to hear because you know what? It's like I'm not living how God has called me to live. Can I encourage you? If there is breath in your body, hold on to the but God. But God, we're all, uh, um, we're all uh, an artwork that is continually being made. It's a sanctification process. That means that we're, we're daily becoming better. We're daily becoming like Christ. There's going to be things that we fall short in, that we miss the mark. But I would encourage you, don't stay in that before stance, that before position. Remember the but God. Remember that he has made a way for you. It's a free gift. If there's breath in your body, you can run to him. Like the father and the prodigal son. It didn't matter where the son went. It didn't matter how far he'd gone. It didn't matter that he came back with no money. What mattered is that he was back. And the father ran down the road to meet him. If that's you today, and you're discouraged because you're living that before lifestyle, Just go home. Turn to God. Because he's rich in mercy. He's giving you that free gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the truths that are in your word, God. That that even though we were dead, even though we were lost and broken and we were serving the devil, we were helping him kill and, and steal and destroy And that we were enemies of you, God, and we deserved an eternity separated from you, that you made a way. 
You're rich in mercy and love and grace. And you've taken us from that position and you've seated us in the heavenly realms with Christ. God, I just ask that you would help every person to walk in that. Is if anyone is struggling with that, God, that you would speak to their heart. They would hear your voice and feel that you are near. God, we thank you for the free gift that you've given us. Help us to walk in it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I hope you're encouraged this week. And as you go around about doing your things, walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.